This is episode 480 of the AWS podcast, released on October 24th, 2021. G'day everyone, Simon here with a quick pre-podcast message. Episode number 500 of the AWS podcast is coming up. We have a very special episode planned for you with lots of special guests, but we'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to contribute some audio to share, maybe your perspective on the podcast, um, how you've used it, etc., we'd love to hear from you. If you visit adibus.amazon.com slash podcast slash podcast, you can see there's a button on that page and it says submit questions and feedback. This lets you upload your own audio to us. So we'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note and we'd love to include you in the episode. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Animus Podcast. Simon Lash here with you. Great to have you back. Update show time. It's me running solo. Lots of cool updates for you today. Let's start off with the topic of the AWS Marketplace. The AWS Marketplace now supports viewing agreements and cancelling and extending offers for professional services. So this allows ISVs and consulting partners to create new professional services listings in the AWS Marketplace and extend private offers to customers. Now you can make those particular types of views and changes as necessary. Onto the topic of analytics. There are new data sets available on the Registry of Open Data from the University of Sydney. International Brain Laboratory, Taiwanese Central Weather Bureau, and many others. These are really useful data sets, useful for all kinds of augmentation of analytics and analytics itself. There are 26 new or updated data sets, ranging from things like climate, weather, cybersecurity, geospatial, life science, machine learning, regulatory, and others. Check it out. AWS glue crawlers can now be started using Amazon S3 event notifications. So crawlers are a capability that enable data sets to be discovered more simply by scanning data in S3 and relational databases, extracting the schema and automatically populating the AWS Glue catalog. This is useful for keeping your metadata up to date. So now Amazon S3 event notifications can be used as a source for AWS Glue crawlers to incrementally update AWS Glue data catalog tables. You basically configure your S3 event notification to be sent to our old friend SQS, the simple queuing service, and the crawler will use that as the trigger to identify newly added or deleted objects. Each run of the crawler, the SQS queue is inspected for new events. If none are found, the crawler stops. If there's stuff found, it does cool things. Amazon EMR 6.4 has released a version that now supports Apache Spark 3.1.2 and a whole lot of other interesting runtime and improvements like for PrestoDB and Hive, etc. So if you're running that platform, that's something you want to do. And Apache EMR now also supports Apache Spark SQL to insert data into and update Apache Hive metadata tables when Apache Ranger integration is enabled. Amazon SageMaker Data Wrangler now supports Amazon Athena Workgroups, Feature Correlation, and Customer Managed Keys. So this is all about that data engineering you have to do to get the data ready for the actual work you want to do. So you can now bring data in more quickly through Athena Workgroups. You have access to two new visualizations, including the Feature Correlation Visualization and the Duplicate Row Detection Visualization. You can also now do multi-key joins, specifying multiple columns when joining together two data sets. And there are support for customer-managed keys when using KMS. 
Amazon Kinesis Data Analytics now supports Apache Flink version 1.1.3. So this provides enhancements to the Table SQL API, better interoperability with a bunch of stuff and all kinds of cool things. You also, with this launch, get an Apache Kafka connection that works with AWS IAM authentication when you're using Amazon Managed Streaming for Apache Kafka or Amazon MSK as your data source. Amazon QuickSight has got a couple of updates. They have doubled the spice capacity limit to 500 million rows. So this is the larger size for the enterprise edition. Earlier, each spice data set could hold up to 250 million rows and 500 gig of data. Now it's 500 million rows or 500 gig of data and 25 million rows or 25 gig of data for the standard edition. Now, this is really useful because it means you do less processing and you can use that capacity, which is super fast. It's basically a super fast parallel in-memory calculation engine, and it does make things work really quick. Amazon QuickSight has also added support for pixel-perfect dashboards. This is the new freeform layout mode. Freeform layouts provide authors with precise pixel-level control over the size and placement of visual elements on QuickSight dashboards, including support for overlapping content. You can also now set attributes for QuickSight visuals in freeform layout, including background color, transparency, border color, selection color, as well as visibility of the loading animation, visual context menu, and on visual menu. Freeform layout also supports conditional rendering of visual elements, which allows authors to show or hide content based on QuickSight parameter values, which means you can do context-sensitive display of text, visuals, and images. So this lets you unleash your creativity. Amazon OpenSearch Service, the successor to the Amazon Elasticsearch Service, now comes with an improved management console. So it allows you to understand the overall health of your domains and troubleshoot issues really quickly, uh, single page creation, more intuitive viewing and management, and a whole bunch of other stuff, especially the searching, sorting, and filtering capabilities as well. The team would love to hear your feedback. Use the feedback option at the bottom of the management console page to share any feedback that you have. Another announcement for the Amazon OpenSearch service, it announces support for cross-cluster replication. So you can automate copying and synchronizing of indices from one domain to another at low latency in the same or different AWS accounts or regions. You can get high availability for your mission critical applications with sequential data consistency. And AWS Lambda now supports IAM authentication for Amazon MSK as an event source. So any Lambda functions that are triggered from there can be secured using IAM access control. This is in addition to SASL and Scram, which is already supported on Lambda. Moving on to the topic of application integration, AWS Batch adds console support for visualizing AWS Step Functions workflows. So now you can easily manage your AWS Step Functions workflows from the AWS Batch workflow, where you can automate batch jobs to help your long-running services and business-critical workflows to run typically overnight or even longer. And using these together means it's easy to build scalable distributed batch computing workflows, and now you can visualize it all in the one place, which makes it a lot easier. Amazon MQ now supports ActiveMQ version 5.16.3. So this is fixes, improvements, bug fixes, all that good stuff. So we encourage you to consider upgrading. It's just a few clicks. And if you have automatic minor version upgrade enabled, it will automatically upgrade during your next maintenance window. On to the topic of business applications. Amazon WorkMail adds a mobile device access override API and MDM integration capabilities. So this allows customers to adjust their existing mobile device access overrides either manually or through the CLI in an automated fashion when using third-party MDM tools. So this makes it easy to bring it into the context of an enterprise deployment. 
The Amazon Chime SDK media capture pipelines have now added the ability to configure APIs for customizable media capture. So the Amazon Chime SDK lets developers add real-time audio, video, screen share, and message capabilities to their web or mobile applications. With media capture pipelines, you can capture the contents of the meeting and save it to S3 bucket of your choice. And now you can configure APIs to customize the media capture experience for your application. So you can easily switch the way that you capture audio, video, and the content streams, which makes it a lot easier. Moving on to the topic of compute. We're happy to announce Amazon EC2 Capacity Reservation Fleet, which is a new way to easily migrate Amazon EC2 capacity reservations across instance types. This will allow you to reserve capacity for your immediate use in a specific instance type and availability zone and can be cancelled by you at any time. With Capacity Reservation Fleet, you can reserve capacity across a priority list of instance types. And when your reservations for a lower priority instance type are unused, it'll automatically convert them to capacity reservations for high priority instance types. So for example, when Amazon EC2 launches a new instance type, you can include that new instance type as your highest priority instance type in your capacity reservation fleet configuration. And as Amazon EC2 adds more capacity for the new instance type across different availability zones, the capacity reservation fleet will automatically shift your reserve capacity footprint to your preferred instance type, allowing you to maintain a single global configuration and seamlessly migrate your reservations. This is very nifty. Amazon EC2 now offers Microsoft SQL Server on Microsoft Windows Server 2022 AMIs. So there are eight additional ones that you can spin up and it's a great way to test and check that things are working with new versions. And AWS Outposts adds a new CloudWatch dimension for capacity monitoring. These uh, dimensions are unique identifiers for metrics that allow customers to search and filter results. You get to now see instance family capacity utilization, instance type capacity utilization, and used instance type. The AWS console mobile application now adds support for the Amazon Elastic Container Service. So if you use the AWS console mobile app on your phone, you can now manage ECS both on the iOS and Android applications, and it makes it easy for you to do a whole bunch of stuff, including clusters, services, configurations. Uh, you can also view and manage a select set of resources to support incident response on the go. It's kind of designed for those really bad days where stuff goes wrong and you're away from the office um, or you're out doing something much more fun than working and you have to fix stuff. Amazon ECS Anywhere now supports GPU-based workloads. So this lets you manage containerized GPU-based workloads running on-premises infrastructure using Amazon ECS Anywhere. So now you can deploy your GPU-based applications as well. AWS Elastic Beanstalk now supports database decoupling in an Elastic Beanstalk environment. Previously, a database instance created by Elastic Beanstalk was tied to the lifecycle of the environment. With this launch, which is pretty nifty, the lifecycle of your database instance will not be tied to your application's environment lifecycle, and you can decouple a database managed by Elastic Beanstalk from a Beanstalk environment. And the environment's health is not affected by the decoupling operation, and you can keep the database operational as an external database available for multiple environments to connect to it. You also have the option to terminate an Elastic Beanstalk environment while leaving the database operational, so your data is safe and stable. Moving on to the topic of database, Amazon Memory DB for Redis is now available in 11 additional AWS regions. This is a Redis-compatible, durable, in-memory database service that delivers ultra-fast performance. It is purpose-built for modern applications with microservices architecture, and it's compatible with Redis, which is a popular open-source data store, so you can quickly build applications 
with the same flexible and friendly Redis data structures, APIs, and commands that you already use today. With Amazon MemoryDB, all your data is stored in memory, so you can achieve microsecond read and single-digit millisecond write latency and high throughput. It also stores data durably across multiple availability zones using a multi-AZ transaction log to enable fast failover, database recovery, and node restarts. So this is really useful for a whole raft of different things. It is now available in 15 AWS regions. NoSQL Workbench for Amazon DynamoDB now enables you to import and automatically populate sample data to help build and visualize your data models. Now, if you've not used this tool, it's a client-side tool that helps you design, visualize, and query non-relational data models by using point and click, which is pretty nifty. Now it helps you import and automatically populate sample data to help build and visualize your data models. So nothing is better than using data to actually model your data. So now you can import as many as 150 records from CSV files to new and existing data models in the workbench to test them and see if they work. You can also save and export your query results in CSV files from the operation builder for collaboration, documentation, and presentations. Amazon Neptune now supports auto-scaling for read replicas. So it now allows you to automatically add and remove read replicas in response to changes in performance metrics that you specify. Now, Neptune read replicas share the same underlying volume as the primary instance and are well-suited for read scaling. With Neptune auto-scaling, you can specify the desired value for your replicas, such as average CPU utilization, and auto-scaling does the magic for you. Moving on to the topic of developer tools, Amazon Code Guru Reviewer has added detectors for AWS Java SDK V2s, best practices and features. So these new detectors will help you ensure that you're following the Java SDK version 2 best practices, such as using client builders over client constructors, waiters over custom polling, or auto-pagination over manual pagination. Goodness me, I'm happy for auto-pagination. The detectors can also find bugs that you create while using the new SDK service clients, such as identifying data loss in the Amazon Kinesis V2 client. After detecting an issue or bug, it will provide recommendations of how you can remediate it, which is always the problem. How do I fix this? Tell me, and it does. We're happy to introduce the, the distributed load testing on AWS version 2.0.0 solution. This helps automate software application testing at scale and at load to help you identify potential performance issues before release. It creates and simulates thousands of connected users generating transactional records at a constant pace without the need to provision servers. This is a wondrous thing. And it includes support to view data from previous test runs and a whole bunch of configuration stuff. You just spin it up and use it. It is saving me a lot of time for things I used to build myself. Moving on to the topic of front end and mobile, Amazon Location Service adds change detection to tracking. So you now have distance-based filtering of device position updates. Now, Amazon Location Service, if you don't recall, is a fully managed service that helps developers easily and securely add maps, points of interest, geocoding, routing, tracking, and geofencing to your application without compromising on data security, user privacy, or cost. So the good thing is, is you retain control of your location data, protecting your privacy and reducing enterprise security risks. Amazon Location Service also provides a consistent API across high quality LBS data providers such as Esri and Here, all managed through the one console. Now with the new distance-based filtering enabled, each position update from a device is compared to the previous position update and position changes of less than 30 meters are ignored. These new positions are not stored nor evaluated against associated GGO offenses. So this reduces the cost of implementing a tracking application because only significant position changes are saved or trigger geofence evaluations.
It also reduces the effect of jitter caused by inaccurate positioning systems such as mobile phones. So you reduce those false positive situations. Moving on to the topic of machine learning, we're happy to announce Amazon forecast weather index for Central America, Middle East, and Africa. So this could increase your forecasting accuracy by automatically including the latest local weather information in your demand forecasts with one click and no extra cost. Now, we know that weather conditions can affect a whole bunch of stuff. And so now with one click, you have 14-day weather forecasts for these new regions amongst the existing regions that already existed covering most of the world. Amazon SageMaker Projects now supports image building CI/CD templates. Now, this is the first purpose-built service that manages continuous integration and deployment resources for machine learning projects. And it now has CI/CD templates for building Docker images used in training, processing, and inferences. So it makes it a lot easier to maintain a repository of dependencies that are used to build those Docker images and build new Docker images upon changes in the repository as well. In addition, customers can also trigger model training deployment pipelines, which use newly built images to enable CI/CD across image building, training, and deployment. Amazon SageMaker Data Wrangler is a great service to reduce the time it takes to aggregate and prepare data for machine learning from weeks to minutes, which is a pretty good thing. And starting today, you can use new capabilities of the Amazon SageMaker Data Wrangler that make it easy for you to prepare stuff, including a new collection of time series transformations and two new time series visualizations to quickly generate insights from your time series data. So the new time series transformations support missing value imputations, featureizations of time series, resampling operations, a whole bunch of other stuff. Additionally, you can now visualize seasonality and trends in your data and identify anomalies with new time series visualizations as well. So this is pretty cool stuff. Amazon SageMaker now announces a new fast file mode for accessing data in training jobs. This enables high-performance data model access by streaming directly from Amazon S3 with no code changes from the existing file mode. So for example, training a k-means clustering model on a 100 gig data set took 28 minutes with file mode, but only five minutes with fast file mode, 82% decrease in time. Now, training data models and training machine learning models, I should say, takes a large amount of time and a large amount of data. The quicker you can move the data, the much you can reduce the time. This does things really well in that space. Amazon Fraud Detector launches a new ML model for online transaction fraud detection. Now, this is a specific detection to detect online card not present transaction fraud. Now, like other Amazon fraud detector models, transaction fraud insights leverages more than 20 years of fraud detection expertise from Amazon and AWS. And the new transaction fraud insights model type detects up to 30% more fraudulent transactions and maintains its performance up to six times longer than the previous model type. So if you are working in this area, take a close look at this one. And, you know, I always like a price reduction. AWS announces a price reduction of up to 56% for Amazon Fraud Detector Machine Learning Fraud Predictions. So the new pricing has dramatically reduced. Previously, you needed to use 400,000 fraud detections per month to reach a 50% discount tier and 1.2 million to reach the 75% discount tier. Now they've reached the 75% discount tier after just 100,000 fraud detections per month. This represents significant savings for high volume ML-based fraud prediction workloads. For example, a customer generating 500,000 online fraud insights prediction per month would have previously paid $13,500. With this price reduction, that same customer will pay $6,000, a 56% savings over the previous pricing. 
And Amazon Fraud Detector have been very busy. They now support event data sets. This new capability enables customers to easily send and store their production fraud data directly within Amazon Fraud Detector. They can use their event data sets to train machine learning models with higher predictive performance since the models can apply historical context to new events by automatically calculating values such as account age and purchase frequency. Customers can also move faster by retraining models without needing to upload a new training data set to S3. So they can close that feedback loop from offline fraud investigations by updating their fraud labels for stored events. There is now a new AWS solution maintaining personalized experiences using machine learning. This provides end-to-end automation and scheduling for your Amazon personalized resources. It keeps your item and user data current and manages retraining for your models to ensure your recommendations are up-to-date with recent user activity and retain relevance for your users. Another new solution in this domain is the AWS Q&A bot, which is a self-service conversational chat bot built on Amazon Lex. It's this is a bit around for a little while, but it's now been released as an official AWS solution implementation, and it's a fair bit of fun to build out with. Because without programming, the AWS Q and A chatbot solution enables customers to quickly deploy self-service conversational AI on multiple channels, including contact centers, websites, social media channels, SMS text messaging, or Amazon Alexa. Amazon Personalize launches new recipe that increases the relevance of similar recommendations. The combinations of your users' historical interactions and information that you have about your items increases the relevance of recommendations and ensures similar items capture your users' attention. To assess the similarities of items, we measure how frequently the items are found together in users' histories. As a benchmark, we found that this new recipe is 10.2% more accurate in identifying similar items than recipes that use interactions data alone. So this means you're more likely to find something useful for your customer. Amazon Lex has launched progress updates for fulfillment. You can now configure your Amazon Lex bots to provide periodic updates to users while their requests are processed. So customer support conversations often require execution of business logic that can take a while to complete. For example, updating an itinerary on an airline reservation system might take a couple of minutes during peak hours. Now, typically the support agent put the call on hold and give you sort of that update of, hey, we're doing stuff hang with me. Uh, Now you can do the same thing for your bot to provide periodic updates in a conversation. Uh, This is really useful and you don't have to do it yourself anymore. And I really like this because whenever I get impatient, I just refresh the page and breaks everything. Amazon Kendra has added support for 34 additional languages for keyword-based search over documents and FAQs. Now, if you haven't used Amazon Kendra, it's an intelligent search service powered by machine learning. And if you have content in one or more of the supported languages, you can now use Amazon Kendra to index and search that content with native language support. And I'm not going to read all the 34 languages. You can read the show notes. Moving on to the topic of management and governance. Amazon EC2 Autoscaling now supports describing autoscaling groups using tags. So tag-based filtering, which I'm a big fan of, makes it easy for you to view and manage your autoscaling groups based on the tags you're interested in. And so basically you can choose how you want to visualize things. You know, is this environment dev, test, or prod? Is this critical, non-critical? Yeah, you can view it that way. AWS CloudFormation customers can now manage their applications in AWS Systems Manager. So using this feature, you can obtain an application view of resources provisioned via a CloudFormation stack. With the operational metrics, logs, alerts, and cost information obtained from the Application Manager dashboard, developers can manage the stack resources efficiently through their lifecycle. So this is really nifty. You just go in the AWS CloudFormation console and you can choose View in Application Manager. I'm going to try this one out myself. 
CDK for Kubernetes, CDK8, is now generally available. It is a software development framework for defining Kubernetes applications and reusable abstractions using familiar programming languages and object-oriented APIs. So developers using CDK8 can write and share Kubernetes applications and API resources using the language of your choice and synthesize the configuration into standard Kubernetes YAML manifests, which can be deployed to any Kubernetes cluster. This was first developed by AWS and announced in May 2020. It has now been incubated on GitHub as part of AWS Labs and has grown to include over 30 community contributors and hundreds of community contributions and bug fixes. So if you live in this world, check it out. You can read the blog or you can visit cdk8s.io. And AWS CDK releases have added features for faster development cycles using hot swap deployments and rollback control. So hot swap deployments allow faster in-the-loop development iterations on the application code in your CDK project. Hot swap initially supports AWS Lambda handler code, but it is also planned to support additional resource types and a watch mode, which automatically watches for changes and deploys any updates. Additionally, users can preserve successfully provisioned resources by disabling automatic stack rollbacks, further reducing your deployment and iteration time. There is now a new AWS Solutions implementation for automated account configuration. This provides a process for efficient, error-free, standardized, and consistent way to ensure your AWS accounts are set up properly and with the necessary resources to meet your business and production needs. You can also use the implementation to configure and deploy your AWS backups and AWS Systems Manager Patch Manager configurations as well. Some of the key features that this solution offers includes an automated process to install core operational capabilities, including backing up and patching all your AWS accounts, a customizable configuration file that lets you control and manage the operational services you want deployed. It supports AWS managed services accounts as well, including the request for change forms, and allows you to extend the solution by adding additional configuration steps that meet your business requirements. AWS Backup Audit Manager now supports AWS CloudFormation. So this lets you audit and report on the compliance of your data protection policies using AWS CloudFormation templates. So using the AWS Backup Audit Manager's pre-built customizable controls, you can now use AWS CloudFormation templates to figure out are you in compliance or not? And speaking of AWS Backup, it now adds an additional layer for backup protection with the availability of AWS Backup Vault Lock. This new feature enhances your ability to protect backups from inadvertent or malicious actions. It helps customers implement safeguards that ensure you are storing your backups using the write-once-read-many model. AWS Backup Audit Manager has also added new compliance reports as well. So you can track the compliance of your defined data protection policies in that particular service, and you can see that you're in compliance with what you need to do. Now, this is really useful because you can use these policies to identify violations of your data protection policies, perform remediation, and demonstrate compliance of your data protection policies to meet any requirements that you have. And finally on this topic, we're happy to introduce AWS Instance Scheduler 2.0. This is a solution that helps you control your AWS resource costs by configuring start and stop schedules for your Amazon Elastic Compute Cloud EC2 and Amazon Relational Database RDS instances. So this helps you reduce your operational costs by starting and stopping resources built on predefined schedules. For example, you may start and stop things on you know, 9 a.m. Monday to 5 p.m. Friday because it's a development environment or whatever reason you like. You can schedule it across multiple regions and accounts, and it is very easy to get up and running. Moving on to the topic of media services, AWS Elemental Media Tailor adds prefetch ad support for personalized 
ad insertion. Prefetching manages the request of ads in advance of ad breaks, increasing the time an ad decision server or ADS has to respond. Now, this is really useful when you have live events with spikes in audience viewers. It means it can uh, tailor the advertising stream correctly based upon the broadcaster's requirements. On to the topic of networking and content delivery. The Network Load Balancer or NLB now supports TLS version 1.3, which means you can optimize the performance of your backend application servers while keeping your workloads secure. TLS 1.3 and NLB works by offloading encryption and decryption of TLS traffic from your application servers to the load balancer, provides encryption all the way to your targets, and it is optimized for performance and security using a one round trip TLS handshakes and only supporting ciphers that provide perfect forward secrecy. As with the other versions of TLS, NLB supports the source IP of the clients to the backend applications while terminating TLS on the load balancer. So this is really powerful for security requirements. Amazon VPC flow logs now support Apache Parquet, Hive compatible prefixes and hourly partitioned files. So you can now deliver these in the Apache Parquet file format and you can access them even more easily if you want. For example, you can save up to 25% in S3 storage costs due to better compression on the Parquet formatted files and eliminate the need to build and manage an Apache Parquet conversion application. So this is useful for those deep analytics work. Moving on to the topic of quantum technologies, Amazon Bracket offers D-Wave's Advantage 4.1 system for quantum annealing. With this launch, Amazon Bracket now offers customers access to three D-Wave QPUs, the new Advantage 4.1 QPU, the existing Advantage 1.1 QPU, and the 2000Q QPU. Based on D-Wave specifications, the Advantage systems have two and a half times more qubits than the D-Wave 2000Q, with more than twice the connectivity of the 2000Q. Furthermore, in comparison to the Advantage 1.1, the latest Advantage 4.1 QPU offers an increased yield for available qubits and couplers, enabling customers to run larger programs more compactly. So again, access to more modern stuff is always available to you. Check it out. Moving on to the topic of robotics, AWS RoboMaker now supports expanded configuration for any robot and simulation software. So previously, robot operating system ROS and Gazebo were the only supported robot and simulation software configurations. This new feature enables you to use and configure any robot or simulation software of your choice while running simulations in RoboMaker. AWS RoboMaker now supports graphic processor unit-based simulation jobs. So often things that have uh, a lot of visualizations and other simulations and compute-intensive stuff need GPUs. Well, now you can run these on GPU-based instances. Moving on to the topic of security, identity, and compliance, AWS Firewall Manager now supports centralized locking of AWS Network Firewall logs. So when you set up your Firewall Manager policy for Network Firewall, you can now enable logging for all the accounts that are in scope of the policy and have the logs centralized under your Firewall Manager Administrator account. So this makes it easy to enable logging for AWS Network Firewall across multiple accounts and VPCs through a single policy. And AWS Network Firewall has added new configuration options for rule ordering and default drop, means it making it easier for you to write and process the rules that monitor your VPC traffic. Previously, the AWS Network Firewall will evaluate all pass rules before evaluating any drop or alert rules and would evaluate all drop rules before evaluating any alert rules. Now you can configure the AWS Network Firewall to evaluate the rules in the precise order you specify regardless of the action type. So this means you get to optimize the way you process stuff. 
Now, strict rule ordering is an optional feature that can be applied to both stateful firewall rule groups and firewall policies, and it can also now configure the AWS network firewall to drop all non-matching traffic by default without having to write additional rules. And finally today, the topic of storage, the AWS transfer family. Customers can now use Amazon S3 access point aliases for granular and simplified data access controls. So this makes it much easier to set up those aliases whenever an S3 bucket name is used. And this works for anything that uses SFTP, FTP, FTPS users and groups. And it makes the management experience a lot easier and allows you to map logical directories into multiple S3 access points instead of having to use the bucket name. This allows you to be more granular with your security and the ability to revoke security controls really, really easily. So that's everything we have for you today. Quite a lot of stuff as per normal, and it's only going to get more and more as we head into reInvent territory. Hope there was something there useful for you today. As ever, we do love to get your feedback. AWS podcast at amazon.com is the place to do it. And until next time, Keep on building. Episode number 500 of the AWS podcast is coming up. We have a very special episode planned for you with lots of special guests, but we'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to contribute some audio to share, maybe your perspective on the podcast, um, how you've used it, etc., we'd love to hear from you. If you visit aws.amazon.com slash podcast slash AWS dash podcast, you can see there's a button on that page and it says submit questions and feedback. This lets you upload your own audio to us. So we'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note and we'd love to include you in the episode.